May 31st, 2023, continuing in Moren Vuchim. And uh, if you recall, in the last two classes, what we talked about was Harambam's depiction, his vision of Ma'amad Har Sinai. It was uh, somewhat of a, a unique and not standard vision of it. And to say it, aside from all the details and matters that we dis- discussed, but succinctly, um, what Harambam set forth was that at Har Sinai, there was not to the people of Am Yisrael an actual prophetic experience. There was a presence, and different people did achieve and perceive different matters, but effectively, anything that was, so to speak, heard by the people was what the Torah describes as a kol. There was a sound of sorts. The people understood they had a certain prophetic revelation or moment of inspiration where they understood that coal was a coal manufactured by God. And in turn, Moshe then came and explained to them, he transmitted as that middle person, so to speak, uh, the words of God. Uh, that's his vision, his description of Ma'amad Har Sinai in short. Um, the, what I'd like to talk about today is really inspired by this book. It had been a thought of mine to a certain extent outside of Haramban for some time. But this book, which I just bought, I believe it was just published, it's called Minofet Suf, it's the third volume, first two volumes I own as well, it's on More Nebuchim, it's written by Rabbi Yohonatan Simhablas, a rabbi who lives in Israel, and um, he, in the beginning of his book, ironically, here it's on Chalik Gimal, um, uh, he, uh, he addresses the following concept, so I'm going to tell you the concept, the idea, and then try to set it forth in the Moreh, and then with some supplemental uh, sources of my own with regards to kind of building this vision. His suggestion is, and it's not outlandish, maybe the reading in the Moreh will be difficult, but the concept is, once you understand and accept Ma'amad Har Sinai as an experience which the people had in which they realized we can't and aren't actually hearing the word of God. We aren't actually having that prophetic experience, but it's Moshe who's bringing it to us. The danger which was inherent as a result within the people was very ripe, was very heightened. The fact that Heta Egel follows afterwards should come as no surprise. To a large extent, they were set up for that. An experience in which they realize there's a prophetic experience taking place, but they can't achieve it. But one person does, and to a large extent kind of embodies, at least in their eyes, divinity almost itself, incarnate. That's a very dangerous situation. That's a situation which leaves them overly dependent upon Moshe and has a vision in their eyes to a certain extent of Moshe being, and he was in terms of his divine uh, perceptions, but him being divine, uh, so to speak, in essence. Uh, that's dangerous. That led to, he suggests, in the more Heta Egel. Again, the next stage in that context is not so, it's not so far and out there. Uh, imagine an experience where people believe and accept that God is speaking to them, but only through an individual. And then that individual disappears, and God is off the scene. How do you then deal with the circumstance? You had that dependency upon the person as your conduit to God. You didn't have any specific or any general connection to God on your own. That's the suggestion. The truth is, the very last of the sources on this source sheet I mean, it gives us, it's a well-known pesukim, gives us the pasuk here in Devarim Perik 
in the var, excuse me, it should say Shemot, Lamid Bet, Pasuk Aleph, in source number 10, Vayar Ha'am, Kiboshesh Moshe Laredet Min Ha'ar, right? I mean, that's, that's a description we're all familiar with. Moshe is, I guess, tardy. He seems to be late, is the standard translation of that, to descend from the mountain. Little did I realize, I had it in source number nine as well. But that's the pasuk. But the pasuk is, is very telling. It means, came as a result of, well, a circumstance where their leader, Moshe, is absent. They turn to Aharon and express, we don't know what happened to Moshe, therefore construct for us Elohim, define accordingly. But the circumstance is birthed, is born out of the fact that Moshe is absent, and we need that individual to be our, I'm translating, conduit, our connection to God. All right, well, that's the backdrop. Uh, could that, would that be seen in the Moreh? Well, not in the chapter that we've been reading. The chapter in the Pedic that we read, and we finished it, had addressed Haitaegel not at all. It only addressed Ma'amad Har Sinai. Of all places, interestingly, Rabbi Blass locates this in the beginning of the Moreh. You see, we learned a little bit of the beginning of the Moreh. We learned Perik Alf and Perik Bet. And if you recall, what was taking place over there was uh, Harambam was taking words, if you recall, from the Torah and specifically dangerous words, words that could be misunderstood with regards to giving God bodily attributes and things of that sort. And he was defining and explaining them. If you recall, that's what we did with the word Selim, for example, in Perik Aleph. And throughout the many first chapters in the Moreh, that's what Harambam does. I've said this on many occasions, maybe not in this gathering. People sometimes become enlightened and they decide, well, I want to learn philosophy, I want to know Harambam's philosophy. And they open the Moreh and it's a bit of a letdown. Maybe the first two chapters have a little bit of excitement in them. And then you, fit, you get past that and it's almost like a lexicon or it's just dealing with etymology of words. I'm like, well, what's happening over here? I thought it was going to be someone who's going to blow my mind. Instead, he's just defining what a kise is. He's only defining. So that's really what takes place. And the trick. Uh, no irony, but the trick is how to read between the lines. A, there's the what meets the eye. You know, what meets the eye is he's defining words which would be dangerous for the standard and general reader of the Torah and misunderstanding what's actually taking place in these experiences, in these situations. But beyond that, he has, and he makes this clear to us at the onset, it's Harambam after all, there's a lot of hints here. There's a lot of secrets that he nestles into these Perakim. So here in Perik Yodal, Perik Yodalid and Perik Tet Vav, excuse me, Perik Yod Gimal and Perik Yod Dalid will read uh, from. And uh, don't expect such excitement. That's what I'm telling you at the onset. We're going to read it and we're going to try to figure out what we can glean from it. Perik Yod Gimal, let's start with that. Amida Hushem Meshutaf. He starts to say, well, we know what he's going to talk about in this whole chapter. It's good eight, ten lines. The word Amida, the concept of standing. Where? Standing? Is he talking psychologically, anthropologically? No, no, no. He's talking about in the Torah. When we talk about standing, what does standing refer to? He starts off by saying it's a shem mishutaf, which means it's a word which can be partnered. It's a word that can be used in several different ways. 
Okay, fair enough. What are they? Yeshu b'mashma'ut shel kima v'amida. There are some, it's the physical standing. You stand up, lakum, and you stand straight. Now, before we continue, I, I will tell you, we won't do it in all of them, but we'll do it specifically in one. That's part of the trick over here. You're supposed to pay attention to which Pesukim he cites and which ones he glosses over and which ones he uses in particular ways and other ones which he uses in other ways. That's the trick in reading these Perakim. If you do it right, you do it slowly, you look everyone up, you try to understand, you have a perspective and a vision of what takes place in all of Tanakh, so you know what he's using and what he's manipulating. That's really the trick over here, I'm telling you already, even though we're not going to do it fully. All right, so he starts, and that's one usage of the word Amida. Yesh, shuh b'mashma'u, and that's not to say that's the only way of learning the Moreh. You can have a base level understanding. You can have a depth by reading it that carefully. Yesh, shuh b'mashma'u shel himmane'ut v'asirah. Alternatively, the word amida in the Torah sometimes refers to something being halted, something being static. The last pasuk. She no longer gave birth. She stood and gave birth. She stood from giving birth. So we either have the physical standing up or amida uh, is stopping himaneut. It's, uh, it's, it's blocking and atzira, uh, and stopping. Yesh, lastly, there's a third interpretation to the word amida. Shehu b'mashma'ut shel kivi'ut v'hatmada. It's something that's constant and persistent. For example, leman ya'amdo yamim rabim v'yachalta amod. Amad ta'amo bo. Haya kavua. Hitmid v'lo yishtana. V'tzitkato omedet la'ad. Kivua v'tutmidit. So that's the third of the interpretation, quotes many pesukim along that line, is that amida means something that is constant. Oh, okay, I mean, each one of these it does seem to check out. You can look up the pesukim, you can apply different ones, we could really read into each one of them. Kol amida al ha'el yit'ala. Obviously, Harambam, as I told you, that's really what his objective is over here, is to talk about words which the Torah uses in the context of bore olam. God's standing, he doesn't have legs, he doesn't have any physicality, what does it doesn't mean he's standing. Every time the Torah uses the Lashon or the Navi or the Ketubim, Amida by God, it's a reference to something which is constant and unchanging. That's Amida. This is when you learn later on in the first in the first highlight of the Moreh. When we talk about Regal, you'll understand this further. We don't need to address that now. Lastly, and I'm sorry, we needed to learn the whole Pedic for our purposes for this last line. And this is the meaning of Moshe's speech to, excuse me, God speak to Moshe twice. Or once and then another one which Moshe expresses. Ve'ata po amod imadi. God says to Moshe, and you will stand here with me. Arambam says, it didn't, mean, it didn't mean physical standing. It didn't mean stopping to stand. It meant you will be constantly with me. Along those lines, Anochi Omed, we know this one, Ben Adonai Ben Echem. Those Pesukim are very important. 
They're both in the context of Ma'amat Har Sinai. This, the first one is when the people were going back to their tents. God says to Moshe, but you, you'll stay here with me. You'll have a constant standing with me or presence with me. The second one is Moshe's expression of what took place at Har Sinai. Anuchi Ahmed ben Adonai ben Echem. Okay, so it means, and this is a point that this Rabbi Blass makes, that many of these pirakim return to, and kind of, and he obviously elaborates in ways that I'm not going to be able to do together with, with in the class right now, in ways in which he takes you through all them, there's a real progression with regards to describing Har Sinai, if you read the pisukim that, that refer to it throughout. But, but that's, that's, for all intents and purposes, we got a reference to Moshe and God at Har Sinai. It is and should be reminiscent for us of the Perik in the Moreh that we learned the last two times. And that is Moshe standing as the intermediary. Moshe, the one listening, the one experiencing, and then speaking to the people. We ended that chapter with that theme. Next chapter, Perik Yodalet. Hashem HaMeshutaf, Adam. Hu, Shemo Shel Adam HaRishon, Shem Nigzar. Hu Nigzar, Kifi Shomer HaKatuv, Min HaAdama. He says there's something called Adam in the Torah. What does Adam mean? Again, not so excited. I mean, I happen to get very excited about this stuff, but maybe this crowd does. But generally speaking, you know, I just imagine when I read something, how would I teach this to a high school crowd? You, you, you need to come in with some pizzazz, with some jazz. How do you read a chapter? What does Adam mean, boys and girls? Uh, I don't know, human being. No, but there's three meanings. Let me delineate it. it. Happens to be, I do remember when I was in high school, they used to do this. And, you know, if you inspired it, you can't pull this off any longer. But the more he'll, he'll do that. You're not interested in reading this? You're going to miss the whole point. You have to trudge through this stuff. Okay, Adam. What does Adam mean? Uh, ironically and interestingly, we started the book with the word Selim. That was the very beginning. And it took us all the way to chapter 14, Perk Yodale, to talk about Adam. There's something to be said for that as well. Okay, not now. Adam, who shemoshel Adam harishon, shem nigzar, hu nigzar, kefi shomer katuv min ha'adama. It's a name which was derived from, well, where human beings came from, or the human came from, from the ground. He came from the, if I'm not mistaken, in Robert Alter's translation, from the humus. Like from homos, that's what I always imagine. And those human, it means that uh, Adama, if you're going to say Adam is, is a human, it means Adama is humus. Right? Okay, anyway, it means Adam is known as that because it came from Adama. Yeshu Shem Hamin. So that was with regards to a specific individual. Adam, Adam Harishon. Second one is Shem Hamin, the name of the species. Anashim are Adam. I'm an Adam, even though I'm not Adam Harishon, as far as I know. Yeshu Shem Amin, lo yadun ruhi ba'adam, mi yodea ruach bene ha'adam, umotar ha'adam min ha'behema ayin. In each of those, and in many other circumstances, the Pasuk refers to human beings as Adam. Lastly. Human species. Human species. Yesh Shem lahamon. Sometimes it's a reference to the masses. Kilomar am zulat In other words, says Harambam, to human beings, the masses, the ones who are the simple ones, not the important, dignified, distinguished individuals. Adam is the people, not the leaders, not the important ones, the people. That's what Adam is. Gives two pesukim. Gam bene Adam, gam bene ish. Right, that one's pretty good. Bene Adam, the regular, Bene Ish, more important. 
and this last interpretation is, you can understand, you might know that pasuk from the end of Parashat Bereshit, uh, excuse me, the end of Parashat Noah. That last one is the most important one. So I, I hung you uh, through these, uh, these, these perakim for the last pesukim. So the last perak ended us with, with a pasuk by Ma'amad Sinai, And this one ends us with this last one. It's a pasuk we know from Tehillim. Who said that that pasuk is talking about the masses? You'll die as a Adam. Go ahead. But it might not be the masses. I mean, any human being. This last interpretation is not the species. Right? This last interpretation is it's the lowly ones or it's the simple ones. Hasarim Tipolo. So it's from the continuation of the Pasuk, says says Charles, maybe. So in other words, that's how he sees it from. And in contrast to uh, another way. Accept it. Okay. That is Harambam's depiction over here. Now, I don't, unfortunately, have a full proficiency in Tanakh, not even a partial one, but this Rabbi Blass makes the following claim. So if you'll take this page now, we'll take a look at, at what, he, what he draws. Now, I, I want to repeat and, and remind you, and I know we've, we've made this point throughout, but Harambam, just so you don't think this is, maybe you will anyway, Harambam is very, very keen on, on making clear at the onset of the book, and it seems clear from all his writings, that he expects, when you're reading this book, that you really know everything beforehand. And as a result, he's going to write things and assume if you're a scholar, you're really going to get to the bottom of it. So you say, did he really mean it? I can't tell you that. I can tell you he did know, you know almost everything. So it's not far-fetched if, when he's quoting one of these pesukim, and there is a well-known midrash related to it, that he expects you and me to know that midrash when he cites it. That's the assumption that we're coming into with, with this. And be thinking about it and realizing it as he says it. That's right. We've seen this and made certain points like this. He's even said it sometimes explicitly. This pasuk is linked with this. Anyway, here, if you take a look at this in page 64, and if you skip to where the paragraph begins with en safik, it's basically in the middle of the page. And again, it's, it's part of a larger you know, chapter in which he's discussing these matters, but here's the critical moment where he makes his point. He says, Harambam ends with that last pasuk, by the way, Charles, without quoting the end of the pasuk, which is telling, which would have explained it to us, his suggestion is Arambam wants you to look into this. Look into how the rabbis interpret this pasuk. Don't just accept this pasuk or know already what the rabbis say about this pasuk. What do the rabbis say about this pasuk? He continues, Anyone whom the book was purposed for, should remember he says, if anyone who's familiar with the Midrashim of the rabbis and has it like that on their fingertips knows 
that this pasuk is interpreted by the rabbis in the context of, would you know it, post Ba'amad Haisina Chetaigam. How so? He quotes a Gemara, Masechet Avodah Zaran, Dafhe. Rabbi Yosef Omer, Lo kibelu Yisrael et ha-Torah, Ela kedeshe lo yehem malach ha-mavet sholet bahen. I'm going to translate that in its entire sense. We'll just translate the words for now. His words are, Am Yisrael accepted the Torah with a purpose, or the purpose, of overcoming death. What does that mean in the physical sense? But I don't, I'm not talking about that right now. Shine ima. I'm not talking about this. The Pasuk says, Ani amarti Elohim atem kulechem. Pasuk says, I said, they are Elohim, and they are b'nei elyon. So this Pasuk, the rabbis are interpreting as, Referring to the acceptance of the Torah. Am Yisrael, the time of the Torah, B'nei Elyon, they're children of the Upper One, and they are Elohim, they're important, strong, dignified, distinguished individuals. Havatem ma'asechem, you messed things up, meaning, Egel, you fell, achen kadam t'mutun, you're no longer going to have the eternal life. Of course, this Gemara brings us back to a vision of Gan Eden, where you will live, but sin takes that away. All that's certainly true. But for our purposes, this Gemara then told us that this Pasuk, the fall of human beings, is at Har Sinai. And that's the reference in this Pasuk in the eyes of the rabbis in Tehillim. Suggests Rabbi Blass. By linking Perek Yod Gimal to Perek Yod Dalet, without telling us why he went from standing to human beings, from Amidah to Adam, by noticing the interesting final Pesukim that are cited in each of these two chapters, by stringing together, and we're not doing this tonight, the larger schema of these chapters, which is bringing us through the reception of the Torah, Haita Egel, and everything that follows thereafter, he suggests there's a hint over here as well. And the hint is... How is it? What is it that brought us to Achim Kadam Temutun? It was none other, ironically, than Anochi Omed Ben Adonai Ben Echim. In other words, the way we began the class tonight, remembering Harambam's vision of Ma'amad Har Sinai, where you and I didn't hear it, where Moshe heard it, he experienced it and came and talked to us. He was the one who had the constant presence together with God. We were the ones who were listening to him, following and accepting. That's very dangerous. That gave Moshe almost a divine intermediary um, status, and it caused us in his absence to panic, uh, to construct something, to beg Aharon, to build something that would replace Moshe as a conduit to God, which is the way many do understand this. That is the suggestion with regards to Harambam's description. I'll bring us back before we read through some of the sources that I prepared to support this notion. I'll bring you back to the way we introduced that perek that we learned from Chilek Bet with regards to Ma'amad Har Sinai. You might recall, without giving details, and again, I won't, I to, uh, one story I told with details, that perek is a dangerous perek until today. I think I told, I think the detail that I did, I didn't say it on record, was, there was someone who was, was following Harambam, his rabbi was following Harambam on the set of the parashaot, and he got up to parashat Yitro and he presented those words of Harambam. And many people got very nervous about it. Was, Wait a second, are you telling me that we didn't hear, we didn't experience a prophetic, that's heresy, and he got on all sorts of, not trouble, but all sorts of conflict with people. I told you about the conflict of a student of mine together with a colleague of his in, in a school in which he told him, Rabbi Harari told me this, and I said, no, 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 it's not me, it's, it's 
it's, it's Haram Bab. And the individual said to him, Rabbi Harari is too God-fearing to have said such a thing. The danger today of Haram Bab is, oh, it's just not, it's, it's far from my understanding. The irony is his description in terms of, quote, its danger was dangerous. It was dangerous because it potentially brought us to Hayata Egel. We're more comfortable as a result thinking about the experiencing, experience and imagining us all receiving it because understanding it as through Moshe is not only less traditional, it also is, what, you mean I, I didn't hear it? And do you know what happens when I didn't experience it and I only got it from another person? That births all sorts of doubt in my mind. That's what Harambam might be hinting at, that Heta Egel came about from an could not be unavoidable circumstance or reality where the people couldn't have a prophetic experience, where they were supposed to be listening to Moshe, but as a result, they couldn't uphold that connection to God in his absence. Uh, let me show you a few midrashim. Now, I can't tell you that these midrashim or my reading of the Pesukim will convince you, but they certainly will give you a flavor of this direction, irrespective of Harambam's specific intention in Perek Yod Gimon, Perek Yod Dal. Sifre, Parashat Naso, this week's Parashat, source number one. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Omer, Bo Ure'e Makoach Avera Kasha. Look at the, uh, the power, the strength of, of a sin. She'ad she'lo pashtu yedehem ba'avera, until the nation, Am Yisrael, sinned. Mane emar bahem. What does the Pasuk describe them as? Umare'e kebod Adonai, the vision of the honor and glory of God is like a consuming fire. They weren't jolted per se, they just saw it. It's true they didn't touch the fire, but they weren't jolted backwards. They were jolted back to, backwards in Parashat Yitro at the time of Ma'amad Harsinai. At this point they see the glory, the honor of God, and it's in fire which is consuming. They're looking at it. I mean, you know, that's, that's impressive. You're looking at something you have experienced and understand as the manifestation of God. Once they sinned, meaning once they had what does it say about them? The Pasuk describes how Aharon and the people of Am Yisrael see Moshe this is after the second Luchot, this is in Parashat Kitisa, and his, his skin and face in turn are beaming with light, and they stand backward. But listen to the description. Until we sinned at Cheta Egel, we looked at Har Sinai and we took it all in. When is it that we fell with Cheta Egel? What's the aftermath of Cheta Egel? What's the, so to speak, the consequence or in tandem with my sin, it's that I'm jolted backward by Moshe. Moshe becomes the object of where things go wrong. I can't look at Moshe any longer. I'm scared of Moshe. At Har Sinai, we looked at the top of the mountain. We weren't fearing that. Once we sinned, so you should say, now we our relationship was severed with God. We're scared of, oh, we're scared of Moshe. Because the suggestion is that Moshe's role became so consecrated. His role, I'm, su- I'm suggesting, became so divine in their eyes, the sin and the consequence, and in tandem with what their sin is, is seeing Moshe now as divine, being scared of him. After all, I couldn't hear what God said. Moshe did. If he's not here, I can't continue. Source number two, Devarim Rabab, a parashat Yod Aleph, Ish HaElohim. The very end of the Torah. Zot ha-berachah she-berach Moshe, ish ha-elohim lifnei moto. 
When Moshe went up to the heavens, he was in Ish. I'm not giving the full uh, homiletics, I'm not giving the full uh, exegesis, the full midrash uh, of the Hachamim. I just want the punchlines over here. Elohim. So they break up Ish Ha Elohim. When he went up to the mountain, until he went up to the mountain, what was he in the eyes of the people? An Ish. When he came down from the mountain, what was he? Elohim. Minalan Shekatuv Vayireu Migeshet Elav. The Pasuk says that when Moshe comes down from the mountain, it's true, second Luchot, but again, when he comes down from the mountain, say the Hachamim, he's now, we're scared to come forward to him. Why are we scared to come forward to him? He's a man of God at this point. He became divine in our eyes. Again, it means that the Heta Egel was inspired potentially, or did inspire us, after an experience in which Moshe was the middle person, we couldn't handle and couldn't bear seeing him as a person who's on a higher level and us having the ability to connect to God, he became sanctified. He became the Elohim. He became the one whom we were scared to go forward to. Now, each of these two midrashim are referring to those pesukim. The pesukim in which, at the end of Parashat Kitisa, the Torah describes to us how, when the people saw Moshe, they were scared to come forward to him. And as a result, they had to put over his face a masveh. Why? Because his face was radiating. People were nervous about looking at his face and therefore jolted backwards. That's what the Pesukim described. That's what we're referring to. He calls them over and he puts some sort of mask over his, his face. When he goes to speak, so to speak, with God, he takes the mask off. Lastly, the people saw his face. His face is radiating. There is, it seems to me, a particular and specific um, uh, a parallel in the Pesukim with regards to this episode, the people looking at Moshe, not being able to look at his face, not being able to come close to him, and our experience and Moshe's experience with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's just a chapter earlier in Parashat Kitisa, Moshe asks God to show him his face. God responds, Lo panai ki lo ha'adam v'hai. He tells him, V'asiroti et kapi, I can take my, so to speak, my palm off and you can see my back but not my face. That's God to Moshe. You can't see my face. What are the people's reaction to Moshe? We can't see your face. Do you understand what happened over here? Do you understand the Pesukim are hinting to us? The Pesukim, in my reading of it, are hinting to us that Moshe, for them, took the place of God. Same way Moshe was told by God, you can't see my face, so too the people couldn't look at Moshe's face. Along the same lines, as we get up to Har Sinai in source number five, earlier in Parashat Yitro, God tells Moshe more than once, make certain that you build a gate and a boundary around the mountain. Make sure nobody goes up to it because anyone who goes up to it, which means the experience, the presence of God is dangerous. Stand back. What was the experience of the people when they saw Moshe? 
They were nervous about coming forward to him. Moshe, after Har Sinai, what the Pesukim seem to be hinting to us is an individual who is seen by the people as divine. Not inevitable, but very, very closely touching on the hearts of the people already at Har Sinai. They see in Moshe too much. The fact that they can't and didn't experience the prophecy of Har Sinai, that's what Harambam, by the way, gains potentially with this interpretation. Aside from so many other things, he also explains, everybody always asks this basic and simple question. You went from Har Sinai, highest, greatest experience, people heard God, and then you felt a Heta Egel so quickly afterwards, says Harambam, seriously, did you hear the first sentence you said? That wasn't true. They didn't hear God. They heard Moshe, who was transmitting to them the words of God. Yes, in that circumstance, not only can I imagine, I can understand the next stage of Chetaega with Moshe's disappearance. Lastly, and, uh, and, and this one I, I might be too creative on, but I do uh, call attention all the time to the fact that in Sefer Devarim, Moshe on more than one occasion, I gave three Pesukim, I do believe there are more, but these are the three that quickly came to me as I was preparing. He on more than one occasion, at least three times, refers to the experience of Har Sinai as a time of hakel. That's his word. For example, Devarim Perikdal Pasukyod, Yom Asher Adonai the day in which you stood in front of God at Horev, at Har Sinai, Behemor Adonai Elai hakel yetam. God told me then, gather the people, cluster them together. Okay, that's the description. Everything, and I'll, of course, make her to them, you know, my instructions and so forth. But, hakel, that's Har Sinai. Again, in Source 7, maybe I should have bolded it there, Eta Devarim Ha'ele Diber Adonai El Kol Kehalchem Bahar Mitoch Ha'esh Ya'anan Baha'arafim. Description is, you were in your assembly, in your cluster, in your kehalchem. That's the word again. Source number eight, Devarim Perektet, Pasuk Yod, Vaitena Luna Elai, Eshenel Hotavanim, Ketuim Betzba, Elohim, Valhem, Kola Devarim, Shedber, Alai Machim, Beha, Bahar, Mitocha Esh, Be, Yom Hakahal. Har Sinai, Ma'amad Har Sinai was known as Yom HaKahal, the day of the gathering. Of course, it brings to mind the mitzvah of Hakel, which we have later in Torah. There are major parallels, but for our purposes right now, Kahal, Hakel, Kehalchem is Har Sinai. That was the experience. Do we know that word from anywhere else in our narrative history? I believe we do in a very critical place. Source number nine. That's the pasuk we started the class for all purposes with. Vayar ha'am ki boshesh Moshe laredet minahar. The nation, the people see. Moshe is not quick. He's not immediate in coming down from the mountain. And the people bound together, they clustered around Aharon. It's the same exact word. I wonder if the Torah is hinting to us that word, the experience of, the experience of Chet Egel, Moshe throughout Sefer Devarim is throwing at us. You want to know where that was sprouted from? You want to know where that began? At Yom HaKal, at the day on which you gather together. You think your second gathering around Aharon just came out of thin air? You think this was a crisis of faith? Heke? No, it was, a, it was part and parcel, not inevitable, but with what took place at Har Sinai. Har Sinai was an experience. Ma'amad Har Sinai was this once-in-a-lifetime situation where the people 
do feel and realize something. Some understand more than others, but ultimately speaking, it's Moshe's words which are giving them the message. There's danger inherent in that. There's danger inherent in any situation. I think we all know when we're overly dependent on an individual to transmit to us the words of God. But that was the experience, and it was inevitable for the people because they couldn't rise to such a level of prophecy. To be a prophet, to be a navi, the hachamim already tell us, and Harambam expends a lot of energy detailing, you need to be on a pretty high level, intellectually, morally, physically, and so on and so forth. That's not where they were yet. So they needed to be somewhat or fully dependent upon Moshe. That dependency upon Moshe was dangerous for them. What Harambam potentially did for us then, ironically, in addition to what we discussed and didn't discuss with, with his description of Ma'amad Tarsinai, is he set up for us an understanding not only of that event, but of what followed as well. The tragic, quote, fall of Heta Egel was a next step in this sort of experience. If I understand the experience not as a high-level perception, a connectedness on a spiritual level with God, but rather a very important time, an acceptance of, it happens to be the words of Harambam in Mishneh Torah, maybe in the Moreh as well, that what was Har Sinai all about? It was the acceptance of that truthfulness of the prophecy of Moshe. That's right, wonderful, perfect. They'll hear me speaking to you. Harambam drew our attention to that pasuk, if you recall. Everybody, and they'll believe in you. That's right, it's very important to trust and to believe in your leader, but if it's a trust which almost deifies the leader, if the leader becomes so integral to your continued connection um, that in his absence you don't know how to continue, well, a cheta egel, a yom hakahal, will quick, quickly turn into a situation of vayikahel ha'am, of the people surrounding Moshe, Aharon and begging him to make for them that, that egel, who will be for them that Elohim, In short, Harambam, to bring a full circle, in Perek Yod Gimagong, into Perek Yod and Helek Aleph of the Moreh, is potentially hinting to us through his final Pesukim, the first one at the end of Perek Yod Gimal being that Pasuk in which he referred to the uh, Moshe standing at Har Sinai between the people and God, and the second one at the end of Perek Yod the Achen Kadam Timutun, coupled with the Midrash is the fall of Heta Egel, Harambam is linking them one to the other in light of the way he described to us Ma'amad Har Sinai, in light of the way Moshe's role is so indispensable with regards to their experience, it's really not that much of a shock. It's not that much of a surprise that that's what followed Heta Egel. So it first and foremost gives a message with regards to a proper reading of the Torah, to an understanding of the narrative of how the consequence, how the events uh, um, developed one into the other. I think it is at the same time, although I don't know if he's looking for us to derive, but maybe the Torah certainly is. There's words of Musar in it as well, to be able to understand that your connection, your personal, individual connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is pretty significant. If it's hinged upon, if it's always hanging upon another individual, that you can only understand his words, Words, the capital H being God, through another, there's a lot of danger over there. What happens when the other is out of the scene? What happens in terms of your understanding or appreciation of the other? What happens to you as an individual in a relationship with God when you don't have that relationship and it's only by means of another? Now, in the beginning stages, we need our teachers, we need the individual to bring us there. But as you advance, as you get to a stage where you can and should be developing yourself personally and individually, if that crotch is still there, if that individual is still there, you really do risk this Chet Egel experience in your own life. Baruch Adonai Amen.